18. Chapter 18. Oh, that's cool. Can you not turn that on when we're yeah. doing this? Or else all that we'll hear later is... Um, nothing much happened, Chapter however, 18. For the next few days. They plodded along the road. I don't um, um, they were doing steady 25 miles a day. They're used to it now and could go much longer without getting tired than when they had first set out. Most of the people they met had heard about them by this time. You don't. And although they attracted a good deal of attention, nobody harassed them. The heap of gold coins lay in the bottom of the carriage, but they had covered it up with the old shawl so that no one knew anything was there. Um, yeah, because if somebody uh, found the gold, they would probably take it, right? I mean, they met lots of yeah. people that would do that. At least, uh, at last one morning, they came to the bridge where the animals had found Mr. and Mrs. Webb again. After they had fallen into the river. Who's Mr. Mr. Webb? Remember the Mr. spiders? Mr. They Webb? spun a web between the Mrs. Wiggins' horns. And uh -huh. at one point they lost. She fell in the water or jumped in the water or something. Right? Isn't that how they lost them? And then they found them again on a bridge. And Dad. 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 Yeah. How would they... Um, Remember whenever they were playing ring toss? Yeah. How would they, like, how would the spiders? Yeah. Wait, they were playing rain toss? Yeah, remember when, with those bracelets? Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe they weren't, maybe they just went onto her back during but that Dad. time. Yeah, well, I, th I think they probably just are hanging out on Mrs. Wiggins when they're traveling. But at that point, they were, like, hanging out at the... The cabbage. Uh, I mean the cabin. The cabbage. <laughs> the, cabbage. <laughs> the, uh, the two spiders this were is a much. Nice home to live in. Mm -hmm. a really nice cabbage. I love living in cabbages. Yeah. Uh, the two spiders. Um, the two spiders were much excited, and Mrs. Webb ran up to the tip of Mrs. Wiggins' left horn, and Mr. Webb ran up to the tip of a right horn, and they sat there and looked out across the landscape and shouted to each other, oh, do you remember that? Oh, do you remember this? And oh, do you remember that? Until Mrs. Webb was so overcome by the recollection of their strange adventure that she burst into tears. Then Mr. Webb climbed hurriedly down from Mrs. Wiggett's right horn and climbed up her left horn and patted his wife clumsily on the back with one of his eight feet, which he could also use his hands, and said, there, there, Emmeline. Emmeline? Em Emmeline. Yeah, apparently her name. Don't cry. And Mrs. Webb wiped her eyes with a tiny pocket handkerchief, which she had woven herself, and stopped crying. The animals went on across the bridge and through the village. And when they were out in the country again, Jack said, I think if nobody minds, I'd better ride in the carriage for a while. We're getting near to where I used to live, and I don't want the man I used to live with to see me. Might cause trouble. Wait, did they pick him up along the way? Oh! Yeah. Remember that? There was a guy that yeah. was not very nice to them. He was pretty mean to them. It was the man that. in the mustache and the tiny... The dirty boy. Yeah, that's right. Mrs. Wiggins... And Henrietta had... Um, 
horn him. Uh, oh yeah. She rammed him. Henrietta? Do you mean Mrs. Wiggins? Uh, Henrietta, the chicken. <laughs> um. I get Henrietta and Mrs. Wiggins. I wonder what her first name is. What? I wonder what Mrs. Wiggins' first name is. Yeah. Wiggins. She gave a chuckle. I have to laugh every time I think of that man. And the way he bounced like a rubber ball on top of his automobile when I tossed him up there. Remember? Yep. That's what I was just telling you about. He was an awful coward, even if he did have a big black mustache. Yes, said Jack, as he climbed into the carriage and crouched down under the shawl. But just the same, I think we'd better hurry along. He has a bad disposition. And he would take a lot he would take a lot of trouble to get even with us for the things we did to him. We mustn't take any chances with all this money, said Henrietta. So they hurried along. And pretty soon they passed the road, which led up to the farm where the man with the black mustache lived. And then a little later, they passed the swimming hole in the river where Mrs. Wiggins had fallen in. We ought to be pretty safe now, said Jack, because he doesn't often come up this way in his automobile. But I'll stay in here for a while, just the same. Another mile or two, the road, which had been running across the valley, began to climb a long hill. It was getting along into the afternoon now. And as the animals had been walking fast, they were hot and dusty. So they were all glad when they came to a stream that crossed the road part of the way up the hill. So they decided to take a swim. I remember this place, said Robert. We stopped here to take a swim the day we started out, just before we met the man with the black mustache for the first time. Yes, yes, so we did, exclaimed the other animals. Why, we're almost home. If we go on now, we can get back to Mr. Bean's before midnight. Some of them were all for going on at once. Can you move your boo-boo? Um, when they realized how close home was. But Charles said, We don't want to get there at night when Mr. and Mrs. Bean and all the other animals are asleep. That won't be any fun. And Freddie said, We'll be so tired when we get there. We won't want to tell them about our travels. And they'll be so sleepy. And they won't want to hear about them. I vote we camp here tonight and go on in the morning. We'll get home about dinner time. Uh, that sounds sensible, said Hank. We've come a long way today. Oh, that sounds sensible, said Hank. We've come a long way today. If you ask me, I've had it about enough. It's all right for you other animals. But I have to pull this carriage. And all that gold is heavier than Mr. and Mrs. Bean put together. So they pulled the carriage under the tree, and pretty soon they were all splashing about in the water, which was pretty cold, for it was still early in the spring. But animals, with the exception of cats, do not mind cold water as much as some people do. Now they were so near home and so sure that nothing could interfere with their getting there, that they did not keep a very good watch while they were swimming. Uh-oh. They did not see a pair of sharp eyes that were watching them from the bushes, nor hear the rustle of leaves as the bushes parted, and the dirty-faced boy, who was the son of the man with the black mustache, sneaked over to the carriage, and lifting a corner of the shawl that covered the heap of gold coins, peeked under it. Oh, no. When they came back out of the water and ran up and down the bank to dry themselves, the boy had gone. They did not sit up very late that night, for they were all pretty tired. Uh, before they went to bed, Robert and Charles and Jack w wound and set the alarm clock. 
They had done this every night since Aunt Etta had given it to them, and this is the way they did it. Um, so before the, um, the olden days, they would have, instead of batteries, you would just wind your clock or watch. And if you did it every once in a while, you know, like music boxes, that's how they work. You wind them up. So watches just worked. You'd wind them up every once in a while, and they would just always be ticking. So this is how they... This but is Dad, yeah. That one doesn't work. What one? Speaking of clocks, that one right there doesn't work. What? That one because it's just like that's that's right. It's nine thirty-six. Late o'clock. Dad. Yeah. Doesn't work. <gasps> it's time o'clock. Jack held the clock in his mouth. And Robert took hold of the winder with his teeth, and they twisted. Sometimes it took them half an hour to do it, but they always did it. And the, when the clock part was wound up, they wound the alarm. But the thing you set the alarm with to make it go off at a certain time in the morning was so small that neither Robert nor Jack could get a hold of it properly. And so when they had got it all wound, Charles would take hold of the thing with his beak and set it up, set it for whatever time they wanted to get up. This time they set it for 5 o'clock because they wanted to get an early start. They all took turns standing watch over the gold at night, and tonight it was Charles and Henrietta's turn. The other animals had found a warm and comfortable place to sleep under the little bridge beside the stream. When all good nights had been said, the rooster and his wife made a final round of the camp to see all that was in order, then flew up into the, the carriage, perched on the back of the front seat, and tucked their heads under the wings. They had not been asleep long when it began to rain. I bet the boy's going to be back to steal it and the, bo and the dad. Yeah. It rained gently at first, and Charles, half awakened, moved about a little on his perch, then dropped off again, lulled by the monstrous patter of the umbrella-like roof of the carriage. But the patter grew to a rattle and then to a roar, and he awoke again to find his feathers getting wetter and wetter, and Henrietta tapping him crossly on the shoulder with her beak. Come, come, Charles, wake up. She was saying, we'll get wet and catch our deaths, very likely. People used to think that if you got wet, you would get a cold, but it doesn't work that way. This will never do, said Charles. We can't stay here. I think, my dear, we'd better join the others under the bridge. I think we'd better do nothing of the kind, said Henrietta Crossley. We are here to watch the gold, and here we stay. We can get down under the shawl in the back seat and keep dry. Come along. But the mice are sleeping here tonight, Charles protested. And they know how Eenie snores. I wouldn't sleep a wink. But Henrietta was not listening. She had jumped down into the back seat, and Charles followed her, repeating, I shan't sleep a wink, not a wink. But once they had got under the shawl, where it was dry and warm, they had pushed the sleepy mice over to make room. He did fall asleep again, with great promptness. That means right away. It's true that Eenie snored, although it was not a very loud snore, for Eenie was a very small mouse. And Cousin Augustus had the nightmare and dreamed that four tortoiseshell cats with red eyes were chasing him, baying like bloodhounds in Uncle Tom's cabin, which he had once seen when he was on a visit to his aunt's a movie, who lived in the town hall at Joy Center near Mr. Bean's farm. Cousin Augustus squeaked dreadfully when he had the nightmare, which was as often as he ate too much softer, supper. 
and that was as often as he could. And he jerked his legs and moaned and lashed his tail so that Eek and Quick and Eeny, the other mice, had to get up and shake him awake. But even through all this, Charles would have slept peacefully on if Henrietta had not pecked him on the neck and said, Charles, wake up. You've got to do something about these mice. Keeping it up at all hours. I never heard of such a racket. They don't seem to have any regard for anyone. So Charles took his head out from under his wing and he couldn't see anything because he was under a shawl. But he could hear Cousin Augustus waking up and then saying, Oh dear, oh dear, such a dream, such a dream. Here, here, said Charles sleepily and trying to be stern. What's all this? Do be still, can't you? I, I, I don't even want to sleep if you don't. Cousin Augustus had the nightmare, said Eek. It's all over now. Charles was satisfied with this and would have put his head back under his wing. But Henrietta pecked him again. So he said, uh, but Henrietta pe uh, pecked him again. And she said gruffly, well, we can't have that. Do you understand? We can't have it. We cannot have our breasts broken in this way. I think you mice had better go sleep somewhere else, as you don't seem able to do it quietly like other animals. The mice were a little afraid of Charles because he was so grand and talked so beautifully and strutted about the barnyard so nobly. And so they did not give him any talk, back talk, but climbed down meekly out of the carriage and went to join the other animals under the bridge. Well, um, well, for what? Well, for once, you had the gumption to stand up to somebody, even if it was only a mouse, said Henrietta. But Charles did not hear, for he was again fast asleep. There was... Nope, first book. We're on the chapter 18, which is... Only a few more after that. There was no, there was now no sound under the shawl but the ticking of the alarm clock and Charles's gentle breathing. So Henrietta went to sleep too. When she awoke again, it was still dark. For a few minutes, she could not tell what it was that had roused her. Then she heard a faint creak, and the carriage gave a lurch to one side. It was moving. I bet it was those people stealing it. Something or somebody was drawing the carriage down the road. Hush, she whispered. Oh, wait. Uh, she pecked Charles sharply, and he awoke with a groan. Oh, my goodness, Henrietta. What is it now? Can you let me alone? Hush, she whispered. Don't you feel the carriage moving? Someone is running away with it. Someone's stealing the gold. Charles was very wide awake that in an instant. He poked his head out from underneath the shawl and looked about him. Two shadowy forms. Men, they looked like. Though they might be animals. We're pulling the carriage down the hill. They must have pulled it some distance from where Hank had left it, for the bridge was nowhere in sight. This comes of not keeping watch, whispered Henrietta, who had poked her head out beside him. If you hadn't crawled under the shawl, you'd have been able to hear what was going on. You crawled under too, said Charles. You're just as much to blame as I am. But what shall we do? Even if I crawl my loudest, they'll never hear me with the rain coming down the way it is. One of us must jump out and run back and give the alarm, said Henrietta. And the other must stay here and find out where the carriage is being taken. You better go, Charles. I'll stay. Charles was too scared to complain at being ordered to go out in heavy rain. The only thing he wanted was to get away from that carriage as quickly as possible. Being scared, he did what a scared rooster always does. He gave a loud squawk. Then he made a wild jump for the road. But his feet caught in the fringe of the shawl, and before he could get them free, and before Henrietta could get, her, get out herself, 
one of the dark figures dropped the handle of the carriage at which it was pulling, ran back, and caught them both. It was the dirty-faced boy. Hey, Pa, he called. Here's a couple of nice chickens for Sunday dinner in here with the money. They squawked and struggled, but he held on tight. Then the man with the black mustache came and tied their feet with string and shoved them roughly into the space under the front seat of, of the, uh, fair, uh, the carriage. I hope you're satisfied, said Henrietta. Of all the useless good-for-nothing roosters, you are the worst. Why couldn't you keep your silly beak shut? My goodness, you certainly have got us in a nice mess now. And she went on telling just what she thought of him. Charles was not listening. <sighs> Sunday dinner, he was thinking. Sunday dinner? <sighs> Me that's traveled hundreds of thousands of miles in my time. Me that's seen what I've seen and done what I've done. To end as a Sunday dinner? Fricasseed, probably, and eaten by perfect strangers. And he burst into tears. What are your thoughts on that chapter? Is it a chapter? I didn't listen to any of it.